What makes a life a good one? Is it the adventure you have? Or the friends you find along the way? Maybe it's pursuing your passion while striving to protect, defend, and save what you believe in every single day. So what makes a life a good one? In the Coast Guard, we think it's all of the above and more. But you'll have to find out for yourself. Visit GoCoastGuard.com to learn more. And welcome to the Water Cooler, everybody. Thanks for being here. I'm David Brody. It's Monday, May 17, 2021. Today, big news out of the U.S. Supreme Court. Uh, the high court has decided to accept a controversial abortion case. Liberals say the Mississippi case that the Supreme Court will now hear will actually be the biggest threat to the abortion rights movement, if you will, since Amy Coney Barrett joined the court. Now, I've got to tell you something, folks. They're not wrong. Of course, the pro-life community overjoyed that the high court has decided to take this case. So could this potentially be the beginning of the end for Roe v. Wade? We will discuss. Also today, the latest from Israel, where the missiles keep flying between Hamas and Israel. And how about the Associated Press complaining that their headquarters were blown up by Israeli forces this weekend? Hey, AP, quick little piece of advice. Next time, don't put your Gaza Bureau in the same building that Hamas is operating out of. Enough of your whining. We're going to head to Jerusalem for more. And Liz Cheney's new target, it looks like she's now going after House Minority Leader Kevin McCarthy as well. It's like Liz is systematically trying to destroy the GOP from within. We will have more on that. Also, those dreaded COVID masks. The CDC says it's time to start taking them off if you're vaccinated. But wait a minute. Liberals are up in arms because they want to know how businesses are going to know whether someone is vaccinated or not. The honor system? Or are you going to just have to show your vaccine papers and identify as vaccinated? Scary stuff. More later. But first, the big news out of the Supreme Court today, the abortion case, the abortion case that the justices will be hearing, it's called Dobbs v. Jackson Women's Health Organization. Mississippi basically passed a law that prohibits nearly all abortions after the 15th week of pregnancy. That law was struck down by lower courts. So since the Supreme Court says they will now hear the case, well, it's seen as a victory of sorts for the pro-life community. And now this time, on the court sits Amy Coney Barrett, who is thought to be deeply skeptical of the legality of Roe v. Wade. We don't know, but we, we believe that to be the case, both the left and the right does. And here she was during her confirmation hearing in 2020 being questioned by Democrat Dianne Feinstein. So on something that is really a major cause with major effect on over half of the population of this country who are women, after all, it's, it's distressing not to get a straight answer. So let me try again. Do you agree with Justice Scalia's view that Roe was wrongly decided? <clears throat> Senator, I completely understand why you are asking the question. But again, I can't pre-commit or say, yes, I'm going in with some agenda, because I'm not. I don't have any agenda. I have no agenda to try to overrule Casey. Um, I have an agenda to stick to the rule of law and decide cases as they come. Well, what I'm, as a person, uh, I don't know if you'll answer this one either. Do you agree with Justice Scalia's view that Roe can and should 
be overturned by the Supreme Court? Well, I think my answer is the same because, you know, that's a case that's litigated. It could, you know, its contours could come up again. In fact, do come up. You know, they, they came up last term before the court. So I think, you know, what the Casey standard is and um, that's just it's a contentious issue, which is, I know, one reason why it would be comforting to you to have an answer. But I can't express views on cases or pre-commit um, to approaching a case any particular way. Well, that makes it difficult for me, and I think for other women also on this committee. All right, let's dive deeper into this now. Joining me on the water cooler, Mallory Quigley, uh, the Vice President of Communications for the Susan B. Anthony List. Mallory, thanks for being here. Appreciate you. Thanks so much for having me, David. Well, Mallory, uh, let me start with your overall thoughts uh, about the Supreme Court taking this case. Yeah, this is a, a really exciting moment for the pro-life movement. It's the culmination of decades worth of work at the state level to pass pro-life laws like they did in Mississippi and also to have a political environment that allowed us to uh, you know, to elect a president and, and a Senate that would nominate and confirm justices like we have on the court now, this new makeup of the court, including Amy Coney Barrett, who we just heard from, Brett Kavanaugh and Neil Gorsuch. So um, this is a landmark case. Well, ultimately, the hope is that the Supreme Court will take the handcuffs off the states and allow them to pass laws that reflect the values of the people that live there. Yeah, that's a really good point. And I want to go, not to get into, get all geeky on the legal stuff here, but it seems like this sure. is all about viability outside the womb, right? I mean, in other words, in Roe v. Wade back in the 70s, 73, the Supreme Court said that a state can't prohibit a woman from terminating her pregnancy in the first 24 weeks. But this law in Mississippi right. has fetal viability at 15 weeks. Is that what we're talking about here? Yeah. And the thing is that viability is really arbitrary at this point as we develop new medicine and technology that's allowing us to treat babies born increasingly premature. So there's several other findings in the Mississippi legislation, um, you know, including the fact that the United States, the thanks to the legacy of Roe versus Wade, we allow abortion on demand up until the moment of birth in this country. That's something a lot of people, even pro-life people, do not understand just how far outside the international norms on abortion we are. Um, and then there's the question of the humanity of the unborn child and the fact that at least by 20 weeks, if not earlier, they can feel the excruciating pain of abortion. There's a, a, a you know a library of research that backs this up, plus the lived experience of neonatologists who are operating on babies inside the womb, giving them anesthesia to um, to make the 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 surgery go more smoothly and easier, keep the child out of distress while they while they do what they must. So yeah. this is a really important law and we want to see it upheld. Um, you know, but there's dozens of cases that are making their way upwards towards the court right now. You know, the liberals love to talk about progress. Oh, we got to keep things moving, be progressive. Well, guess what? The progress on the life issue has been actually de detrimental to them. I mean, there's been progress. So if they if they want progress, well, there's the progress. Anyhow, don't get me started. Let me let me ask you, uh, what do you think this signals? The fact that the high court has taken up the case. I mean, the, the lower court yeah. struck it down. This has got to be, uh, you know, obviously, who knows uh, what they're going to decide. But it but that has got to keep you pretty optimistic at this point. Yeah, I think that we're optimistic. I mean, I think look at the where the American people are at. 
we're interested in gaining consensus um, at a certain point. And a majority of Americans support this Mississippi law. That A majority of Americans are pro-life and support the dozens of different kinds of pro-life bills that have been being introduced and enacted over the last several years. This year alone, more than 500 bills have been introduced at state legislatures across the country. 61 have at this point been signed into law, and it's not even June. This is the crescendo of a groundswell of pro-life momentum that's been growing, especially in the last 10 years. And it's in a direct contrast to the, 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 the legacy of Roe and the extreme pro-abortion jurisprudence that we have in this country and the Biden administration, which is yeah. completely out of step with the American people on this. Mallory, let me, as we wrap up, let me ask you one last question. Uh, not to game it out too much, but who are you most concerned about? I mean, John Roberts, let's be honest, he's been off the reservation. Who, the, who, who knows what in the world he's going to do? And Brett Kavanaugh, I mean, you know, this is, this is hard to game out here a little bit. Are, are you concerned at all about Roberts? He has been a big disappointment for conservatives. Yeah, I think that the, you know, I don't have a crystal ball. I'm not sure, um, you know, how the, the justices are going to come down on this. Um, you know, there's, we've got pro-life stalwarts like Thomas and Alito. Uh, you know, Justice Thomas has written very eloquently about the urgent need for the court to take up abortion again and to take up a case. So I hope that he, um, you know, is is going around talking to his colleagues as they consider this case. But there's some strong, argue, strong arguments to be made here. And we are looking at a new court with three new Supreme Court justices. And so between the makeup of the court and the shift just in public opinion on this and the re scientific reality, uh, we're hopeful. Mallory Quigley, thanks for being here. Uh, really appreciate your time. My pleasure. Thanks, David. All right. Mallory Quigley there with SBA List. Uh, look, this is a good day for the pro-life uh, community for sure, and they hope they'll have another good day when the Supreme Court uh, hands down their ruling. Could it be the unmantling or the dismantling, I should say, of uh, Roe v. Wade? It sure could. And this is exactly what liberals were concerned about. Well, guess what? Newsflash. You might be uh, right on that for sure. Hey, a quick couple of notes here as I look down. Uh, Joe Biden out today, we should point out, uh, with a couple of announcements. Uh, number one, uh, he's talking about child tax credits. And I just want to read specifically. He says, uh, for millions of low-income and middle-income families starting July 15th, you're going to get $250 a month in, in child tax credits that are still going to explain all the details. We'll have more on that in tomorrow's show. Also, uh, which by the way, <laughs> free money. So take a wild guess about who's paying for that. Oh, that's right, the taxpayer. Uh, and one other point to make, uh, the Biden administration saying that they're going to send 20 million uh, doses of the vaccine, different types of vaccine overseas to different countries. So, you know, uh, it's not America first, it's everybody else first. You know, let them have it, uh, we're good. So anyhow, the. Uh, Everybody else first policy uh, for Joe Biden. Anyhow, but good for them. I mean, don't get me wrong. You know, we're going to save some lives, I guess, right? Don't we? All right. When we come back, Jerusalem, Israel, the latest between uh, Hamas and Israelis. Back to That's not just the sound of that first sip of Morning Joe. It's the sound of someone shopping for a car on Carvana from the comfort of home. That's a good blend. It's time to take it easy, like answering some easy questions to get pre-qualified for a car in minutes. Talk about starting the morning right. Just like customizing your terms so your car fits your budget. Mm, mm, mm. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to experience car shopping the way it should be. Convenient. Comfortable. Ah. 
Welcome back to the water cooler, everybody. I got to tell you, uh, boy, uh, the, the, the latest uh, from Israel is not good. Uh, and we're about to get the latest on it uh, here in a moment. But, but I must say, over the weekend, with uh, everything that went on with uh, the building in Gaza that was destroyed, that, that housed the Associated Press, um, I have a whole big commentary to do on that. I mean, I understand the Associated Press is frustrated. They did have a warning to get out. Everybody's okay, number one. Number two, you know what? If Hamas is in the building, here's a little news flash for the Associated Press. Maybe you shouldn't be in there with Hamas. Just a thought. Just a thought. All right. You know what? See, that'll waste the whole eight minutes if I go that way. So let's not do that. Let's bring in Joel Rosenberg, uh, editor-in-chief of uh, All Israel News. Joel, a good friend and back with us from Jerusalem. Joel, good to see you, sir. Great to see you, David. Thank you. Joel, uh, give us the latest. Uh, boy, I tell you what, it doesn't seem like it's uh, letting up at all. Maybe the opposite. No, this has been one of the most uh, difficult days. Um, I think we're uh, topping now 3,200 rockets in, um, in, you know, in, in the last week. We are now moved into week two. There's enormous international pressure building at the UN and around the world on Israel to stop defending ourselves. Um, and, uh, you know, yes, a ceasefire would be wonderful, but not a ceasefire that locks in gains for a radical Islamist terrorist movement that has shot more than 3,200 rockets at us so far. But I will tell you that the big headline, I think, so far, today at least, and, and, and over the course of the week, David, is that Israel is fighting a two-front war. It's not—Israel's not only fighting radical Islamist terror groups. We're also fighting uh, the left wing in the media and in Congress and in parliaments in Europe and around the world that, that are— acting as though we should de-escalate, that we should cool it, that we should, uh, you know, t take it easy. Can you imagine if Washington or London or Brussels or Paris was being fired at with 3,200 rockets? Nobody would be calling for restraint. And, and it's, it's, it's anti-Israel. It's bordering on anti-Semitic. Well, 100% agreed with you. It has been frustrating me to no end. I mean, you're there living it uh, day to day. What is the backbone here? Or is there what kind of backbone do you see from the Knesset, uh, from Netanyahu, from the leaders over there, the IDF? What's your sense about what's going to happen? They, 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 they've seen this rodeo before uh, play out. There's been a lot of anti-Israel sentiment around the world at the U.N. What are they going to do this time around? Do you see them backing down? I don't see that at all. No, I think uh, Prime Minister Netanyahu, Defense Minister Benny Gantz are, are, are showing the best of their leadership. Both men have been criticized enormously in, in the last few years. They're both political opponents of each other, um, uh, but they are working closely together. And day after day, hour after hour, uh, the Israeli military is taking out senior Hamas commanders, senior Islamic Jihad commanders. I thought Netanyahu gave an excellent interview, one of the best I've heard of him in a while, uh, on CBS News' Face the Nation. And he raised the question, what would you do? What, what should anyone do if they're being fired at by more than 3,000 rockets and missiles? Uh, and it's insane, frankly, to, act, to, to ask us to de-escalate. Now, there will come a point in which both Netanyahu and Defense Minister Gantz and the security cabinet decide enough We've accomplished our objectives, and um, if Hamas is really ready to stand down, then we are too. But yeah. we're not there yet. 
So, Joel, what's the objective of Hamas here? I mean, what, you, they, they know uh, there, there was the Iron Dome. They, they, they know that they're going to get pummeled. They know that they're not going to win that fight with Israel. So what's their objective in all of this? I think there's three objectives that Hamas has. Number one, given that they're being directed by Iran, Iran is trying to shift uh, their domestic uh, opposition inside Iran from the horrible economic conditions because they're trying to build nuclear weapons and thus have economic sanctions on them. Iran is trying to divert attention inside the country to uh, to the destruction of Israel. And that usually plays well historically uh, in Iran. And they, they've got presidential elections coming up. Number two, Hamas is playing its own political elections game. Remember, there were supposed to be elections this month in the Palestinian territories of the West Bank and Gaza. But in the West Bank, Palestinian President Mahmoud Abbas canceled those elections. Why? Because he's afraid that Hamas will win in the West Bank, just as they did several years ago in Gaza. So <laughs> Hamas is actually running a political campaign to boost their own internal support. Um, and the way they do it is not with television ads, uh, but with uh, but with rockets. And third, uh, Hamas and Iran, Iran really, is trying to bust up the Abraham Accords. They wanted to sow division in the Arab world that has been trending towards Israel very beautifully. Mm -hmm. They're trying to ruin that. And, and that's really what we're watching right now. Let me ask you about what, what the Associated Press is complaining about. And I'm sorry, but they're, they're, is it just me? Or they're, they're whining about this. This is ridiculous. They had time to get out. It's called war. Israel's going to end it if they have to. And what, what's, I, I am still trying to understand what the Associated Press's big beef is here. They were in a building that was housing Hamas militant uh, uh, potential components. Yeah, and, and what's what's important here, David, is what is not really getting reported in the American press, particularly by the Associated Press, which is a former Associated Press reporter, uh, Mati Friedman, reported back in 2014 that AP reporters were being uh, uh, brutalized and harassed, intimidated by Hamas, which was working in and around their building. Uh, he described in an article in, I believe it was in The, the Atlantic, uh, several years ago, the, the, the level of, of the, the lack of reporting by the Associated Press and others um, when they're be being intimidated, like by a mafia in the case of Hamas. So Hamas, or so I'm sorry, Islamic Jihad and Hamas uh, were har harassing and intimidating these journalists. The journalists knew it. The journalists did not report it. But in, to Israel's credit, they phoned every single person in the building, including the AP Bureau, and they said, you've got one hour to get out. Now, AP has been reporting that they were lucky that they survived. No, they weren't lucky. They <laughs> were flown by the Israeli military in order to save their lives. Now, at the same time, yeah. Israel saved the lives of those terrorists that were using the building. But under international law, if a terrorist organization starts using right. a building for its terror planning, mm -hmm. it becomes a legitimate target exactly. in international law. And that's what we did. We took it out. 100%. All right, Joel Rosenberg, great to see you from Jerusalem. Stay safe over there, sir. Thank you. Appreciate it. All right, Joel, uh, who's been a good friend for, for, for many years, and uh, just want him to stay safe and obviously praying for him, the Israelis, the Palestinians, praying for all of them for safety because Hamas is using the Palestinian people as human shields. Back 
CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Welcome back to the Water Cooler, everybody. Uh, The masks, the dreaded masks and social distancing. Now the CDC, remember it's guidance. There is no CDC jail, everybody. Just so you know, you don't go off to CDC jail and Fauci's not the warden, uh, anything like that. Look, bottom line is, Take your mask off if you're vaccinated, right? Now, if you're not vaccinated, if you're one of the UVPs, the unvaccinated peoples, like I like to call them, you got to keep your mask on. And I'm thinking to myself, what, how's anybody going to know? Like, uh, are you going to go around and say, I identify as vaccinated? I mean, I, I don't know how it works. Anyhow, let's bring in uh, Nan Hayworth, Dr. Nan Hayworth, a former U.S. Congresswoman. Nan, always great to see you. And privilege to be with you. Thank you, David. Nan, I don't, I give up. Uh, how are you going to monitor this? Now, now, the liberals want to monitor it by saying you go into a Costco or a Walgreens or any of these private businesses, and they think that uh, apparently you should have some sort of, uh, you know, vaccine paper or a passport, a, a scanner or something that says, hey, I've been vaccinated. I mean, I, I, I'm scared about that. That sounds weird. Sure. It, it does sound weird, David. And funnily enough, isn't it it's strange they, they don't believe in ID for voting, but somehow they do for this mm-hmm. uh, because they don't really believe in the honor system. Let's just bear that in mind as we think about election integrity. But in terms <laughs> of vaccine, not vaccine, mask, not mask. Um, I've been of the firm opinion for many, many months now, close to a year, frankly, because we're mid-May already, uh, that uh, we should be open, that masks should be optional. Uh, The state of Florida proved they weren't the only ones, but Ron DeSantis certainly has been, you know, probably America's leading governor in a crowded state, relatively certainly a populous state, uh, for liberalization, genuine liberalization, uh, lifting of all state-level mandates. And, you know, I've been to Florida Uh, since those mandates were lifted, and certainly plenty of places ask you to wear a mask. Private businesses can do that. Uh, But should there be government mandates from any level? No. And while the CDC only makes recommendations, of course, the federal government does have mandates in place where it has jurisdiction, uh, specifically, of course, uh, in interstate travel. So I'm pretty sure the mask mandates for airports still nominally apply. Uh, But here's the bottom line, David. What people should know is this. To protect yourself, if you are concerned and you want to wear a mask, feel free to do so. You don't need anybody else to do it for you. All you need to do is wear an N95 style mask, which are widely available now, fully sealed so all the air goes in and out of the mask. You don't have to worry about anybody else wearing a mask. And that's the, the clear message, David, that I would like to see the CDC promulgate. And they're not doing that. And of course, children still have to wear masks, which is ridiculous. Right. And, and the CDC has been, I mean, this whole thing has just been kind of uh, strange and, and not coordinated well from a message standpoint uh, right. right from the very beginning. Because it's politicized, David, that's why. Mm. Why did the CDC uh, decide to, uh, why did the Biden-Harris administration, why did their handlers, uh, more to the point, decide to uh, make a bit of a splash through this liberalization? Because they saw 
lousy jobs figures. They saw inflation increasing, the uh, terrible imagery surrounding gas lines, gas prices rising. Uh, it really is time, even for those who are incapable of running an economy, and the Democrats surely are that, uh, but to recognize that we really do have to yeah. open up again. I want to get to the economy in one moment. On, on mass, I, I, this Daily Wire headline uh, caught my attention. This was from a couple of months ago, but it's still being percolating out there. The Biden administration working on vaccine passports that could display a scannable code similar to an airline boarding pass. And once again, the, uh, we should be clear, the, the Biden administration, the federal government, the CDC has all said, look, we're, we're not going to do the vaccine passports. But, but it does seem like the, if they're at least discussing infrastructure, I hate to use that word, uh, but using types of technology to help businesses along, that's being complicit in that as well. Well, yeah, it is, David. It's uh, jurisdictionally, uh, as, as I noted, uh, the federal government cannot mandate uh, such things, uh, except at a very, in a, in a limited way, one of them, yes, being in interstate travel. Uh, presumably, but certainly, um, I think these sorts of uh, mandates on a sustained basis, it's one thing during the heat of a pandemic, everybody understands, and in fact, states have remarkable powers when it comes to public health emergencies. There's a lot that they can mandate, but to have this on an ongoing basis becomes very invasive. There may indeed be privacy uh, issues involved. Lots of people have talked about that. We have very strict uh, health information privacy laws in this country. Right. Uh, so I don't, I expect it to be rejected by consumers. Uh, yeah. And I think there's going to be enough competition to not have that happen that I'm hopeful uh, it won't come to pass. Right. Let me ask you uh, before we leave you here, I got a couple minutes left or a little less. Uh, the U.S. Chamber of Commerce came out uh, and they are now actually saying, stop. Stop ending these $300 weekly supplemental unemployment benefits to address labor shortages. I mean, man, I want to get your take on this because, I mean, it does seem uh, you got to give Biden credit. Uh, he's good at Operation Warp Speed. The problem is it's Operation Warp Speed right into the toilet for America. Right. Well, it was one thing, David, everybody understood in the heat of the pandemic when jobs were being lost because of government action, right? Because mm -hmm. of government mandated shutdowns. So it was appropriate and reasonable and compassionate to provide support. Everybody understands that. At this point, that is no longer the case. There should be zero government shutdowns and subsidizing unemployment leads to decline. It's not good for anyone. And it's certainly not good for an economy. It, it cuts productivity. And productivity is what generates uh, the revenues that keep our economy going and frankly, keep our government going. Not that I wouldn't like to see it shrink. I would a lot. Yeah. Uh, but no, they need to stop this, uh, this manipulation. It's wrong from every angle. Less than 30 seconds or so, but inflation going to be a major issue, I think, coming up here. Oh, David, I couldn't agree more. Well, I mean, it, one way or another, effectively, the government is uh, cranking up the printing press. They can say they're not, mm -hmm. but they certainly are. And and that just makes the value of every dollar in our pockets less so. So it is very much a tax, a hidden insidious tax on all Americans, especially those with the least resources to cope with it. Dr. Nan Hayworth, really appreciate you being here. Thanks for Thanks for your time. Always, always mine.
privilege. Thank you, David. Great stuff. Former U.S. Congresswoman Nan Hayworth. I'd love to get her back on next week. She's got a lot of important things to say. When we come back, Liz Harrington will be here. Speaking about important things to say, she's the editor-in-chief of War Room. So she has uh, a beef with Liz Cheney. Huh. You know what? Get in line. See you in a moment. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Welcome back to the Water Cooler, everybody. I tell you what, Liz Cheney, she's just, uh, boom, lighting a match. And uh, trying to take, I guess, apparently the GOP down uh, with her. Though, last time we checked, wasn't she in the wilderness? Didn't we have her, Madison, we had her in the wilderness last week, didn't we? She's like with Moses, except she's not, (laughs) she ain't Moses. Anyhow, sorry about that. Did I say ain't? That's not proper. Um, But Liz Cheney, I mean, that's her deal. Uh, This weekend, uh, she went on uh, Fox News Sunday with Chris Wallace and had this to say about Kevin McCarthy basically implying that he knows a little bit more than he's leading on to about what happened on January 6th. Have a look. You know, he clearly has facts about that day, uh, that uh, an investigation into what happened, into the president's actions, uh, ought to get to the bottom of. Well, look, uh, bottom line is, is that Liz Cheney is clearly uh, trying to cause tons of uh, destruction within the Republican Party. She figures if she's going to go down, she's going to go down with a fight. Uh, let's bring in Liz Harrington, <laughs> not Liz Cheney. <laughs> Liz Harrington, no relation, I'm assuming, uh, editor-in-chief of War Room. Liz, good to, good to see you. Good to see you, David. Uh, what, what do you make kind of overall of Liz Cheney's uh, uh, moves here uh, since a post-vote, if you will? It's desperate. It's sad. It's, a, I guess, a gathering of never-Trumpers on Fox News Sunday. Uh, quite the audience there for the Republican Party. Uh, not much. And, you know, if you're asking questions about January 6th, why isn't she asking these questions uh, of Nancy Pelosi or the Pentagon? After President Trump requested 10,000 National Guard troops, they knew a threat. They knew lots of people were going to be there that day. They knew something could potentially happen, and yet all they had were bike racks. You had the second and third in line of secession uh, for the President of the United States in that Capitol building, and yet there's videotape of people just walking right in, taking selfies with Capitol Police. This is not how security goes to get inside that building on a normal day, let alone when tensions were so high, when you knew there were going to be millions of people there potentially, and when you knew there were threats and there's reports of that. And so that's what we need to get to the bottom of because the mainstream media's narrative, Liz Cheney's narrative about January 6th has completely fallen apart. And she's grasping at anything now because now she's out of a leadership job. Liz, this bipartisan framework apparently has been set on this January 6th commission, but but what do you think is really going to come of that? It seems like there's already this this way, this narrative that everybody is is kind of crafting this to go uh, rather than the hard questions that need to be asked. Is this whole thing a sham? I think it will be, unfortunately, but what Republicans, what true Republicans need to do with this commission is get on it and get to the truth. Because we've seen in previous commissions before, all the truth ends up being redacted. 
you don't actually get to the facts. You saw that with the 9-11 Commission. So what we need to do with here is get to who knew, who had a warning, and why didn't they do anything about it? What did they, because the only th people who, you know, wanted the election, electoral college to be stopped were the people who took advantage of the riot on January 6th. I mean, no one who had questions about the election, who were there to protest, wanted the electoral college process to be stopped. We wanted that to be continued. So the last thing we wanted was a riot. So who was behind this? Why did they let it happen? Why did they not have proper security in place? Who were the radical elements on the left that were involved? That's what we need to use this commission for. But unfortunately, with a lot of things in the uniparty, bipartisan in Washington, uh, they'll hide the truth and use it to smear everyday average patriotic Americans who just want the truth, who just want to get to the bottom of what happened on November 3rd. Liz, let's talk about Arizona for a moment, because it is in kind of a bit of the same vein, kind of getting to the truth and trying to figure out what's really happening. Uh, you, you've got serious allegations put out by Karen Fan, uh, the state Senate president there in Arizona, and others who were saying there was an election database that was literally deleted. Uh, and then you've also got what, apparently a 17% or so discrepancy between uh, ballots that were uh, counted and what the pink slip or whatever the pink note shows exactly in its final tally. But then you've got the Mara County excuse me, Maricopa County supervisor, at least one of them, that's kind of in charge of, of some of this, saying that's just not true. So what, what is happening out in Arizona? It's unbelievable the amount of evidence they've already uncovered when this is only a few weeks into the audit that, you know, they said these audits have actually had already happened. Well, this is what a real audit shows because they actually have the ballots and they're going through the database and the voting machine records that literally say tallying and results are deleted, nowhere to be found. This is why they didn't want a real audit. And if you're talking about bat batches of ballots in the amount of 200 and you have them off by 30 ballots, it, you're talking about a huge percentage in a race, again, decided by about 10,000 votes. This is why they didn't want a real audit. This is why they're hiding so much in these swing states in Arizona in Michigan, in Wisconsin, in Pennsylvania, and in Georgia. This is why they don't want an actual accounting of the receipts, because we know the truth is on our side. We know there was fraud in this election. We know there was cheating on a massive scale, and we need to get to the bottom of it. That's why they're fighting tooth and nail. That's why they never wanted this audit to happen. That's why we're you know, six months into 2021 uh, after the election, and we still haven't gotten to the actual results. So, and in these voting machines, they're not even there. They've deleted the evidence. This is a massive bombshell. This is criminal. And we need to keep fighting in Arizona to get to the truth. There's, uh, they're, they're saying in Maricopa County, the supervisor is saying that that's not true, that they say they, there is no deleted database. Uh, and where is it? Right. Then where right. is it? it? I mean, they can say all they want, but they keep digging deeper and it turns out, you know, everything that we've been saying, everything that Mark Fincham has said in Arizona, they've been consistent. All they've ever wanted was to look at the evidence, look at the ballots, see what was going on. And yet it's Maricopa County, remember, who said these machines weren't even connected to the Internet. 
they said, oh, you, you know, now they're saying, oh, you can't have the routers mm -hmm. because that would compromise security. Well, I guess the machines were connected to the Internet then. Yeah, for sure. And Liz, I appreciate you being here. Yeah, you're right. Like, look, why are you fighting it so much? Why not just, you know, let's let's see it all. So this way, if you can prove the naysayer is wrong, but they but they they fight it tooth and nail. So but they know Joe Biden did not win Arizona. And that's the truth. Well, there you go. Liz Harrington uh, here on the show telling it like it is. All right, Liz, thank you so much. Appreciate it. Okay. Not to be confused with Liz Cheney, by the way. And uh, believe me, she'd be the first to correct you if you ever said that. That would be an insult to her. Anyhow, I don't want the words in her mouth. That's kind of what it would be, though. All right, we're back in a moment uh, with what? Oh, that's right, the last sip. Jimmy Biden? Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress-them-on-the-third-date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app today to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Welcome back to the Water Cooler, everybody. Time for the last sip. So um, Joe Biden is president of the United States. I'm sorry, I didn't mean to pause there, sorry. Uh, Joe Biden is president of the United States. Um, and Jimmy Carter was president of the United States back from uh, 1976, actually technically 77, 81. Here's the bottom line. Uh, we have a new president. I don't know if you've heard. It's not Joe Biden. It's not Jimmy Carter. It's uh, President Jimmy Biden. Uh, and there is, uh, I, I crafted that picture, thank you, I had nothing to do over the weekend, so I decided to come up with that. Uh, there he is, Joe Biden on the left, Jimmy Carter on the right, and we now have President Jimmy Biden. And by the way, water cooler fans, if you're fans of the show, can we get that trending? Hashtag Jimmy Biden. Hashtag Jimmy Biden. Uh, tell me what you think of, of all of that at the water cooler at justthenews.com. The water cooler at justthenews.com. And so you're probably asking, uh, why exactly did I just call Joe Biden, in essence, Jimmy Carter, or as I like to say, hashtag Jimmy Biden? Uh, look at all of the similarities. Uh, first of all, you've got a Middle East crisis. Uh, can you look it up a little bit? The Shah of Iran, uh, the embassy situation, the hostages. It was a big Middle East crisis in the late 1970s. It really was one of the many things that was the undoing of Jimmy Carter. And, of course, Ronald Reagan came along at that time. Uh, so he had a Middle East crisis. Joe Biden has a Middle East crisis. Uh, oh, did I bury the lead? My bad. An energy crisis. You know, this weekend I spent, I'm not playing around, an hour and 20 minutes looking for gas. Finally found a gas station. And uh, it was about 30 to 40 minutes or so until I could finally get to the pump and fill up my tank. That's called uh, kind of like an energy crisis. And by the way, when I went finally to fill up the tank, guess how much gas cost me? $3.36 uh, a gallon. And I should point out, by the way, uh, that that's actually low. In California, it's going for over $5 in certain places. Look, there's an energy crisis that Biden uh, has here. An anti-fossil fuel strategy clearly is, is all sorts of problems. Jimmy Carter had an energy crisis as well. Uh, Joe Biden likes to preach a social justice type compassionate gospel, if you want to call it compassion. It's not compassion at all, but we can get into that another day. Uh, Jimmy Carter had kind of an all shucks, he's a peanut farmer and also a social justice gospel. And then once again, both of them, at least uh, if you listen to media headlines, they're both just nice guys, just 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 all shucks, nice guys. Uh, but look, 
Uh, how, how nice is it specifically when you've got Joe Biden specifically playing the race card at every single term or, or time? He talks about being uh, this unity president. We know he's not been a unity president. It's been exactly the opposite. Jimmy Biden, hashtag Jimmy Biden, back in a moment. Man, that sunset is gorgeous. Grill, patio, sunset, hard to get better than that. Unless you're browsing Carvana's inventory while you soak it all in. Oh, burger time. So sit back, get comfortable. Carvana's got thousands of cars under $20,000 just waiting for you. I could stay here forever. Carvana, where car buying meets comfort meets convenience. Download the app or visit Carvana.com today. Welcome back to The Water Cooler, everybody. End of the show. Anna Perez joins us, Real America's voice correspondent. That's a handful. Real America's voice correspondent. I'm that sorry. Is. <laughs> you say You try saying that five times fast, but I mean, don't do that here. Oh, okay. Please. please. <laughs> um, I was uh, going to. <laughs> that, I, I figured you might, but you've got important information. You got You can't be worrying about five times fast. Enough. What do you got going? No, here? we got way more important stuff going on here. Oh, um, actually, sure. uh, Representative Nunes just mm -hmm. said yes a few days ago, actually, that mm -hmm. um, apparently he believes that the... Uh, Wuhan lab theory, of course, in in regards to the coronavirus, that that was not adequately adequately looked into by the government. Mm -hmm. He's now pleading with the Biden administration to essentially relaunch an investigation here. He also wrote to the director of national intelligence, saying that you know U.S. intelligence agencies actually might have. Um, shut down any dissenting opinions to the accepted narrative that coronavirus essentially emerged out of nowhere, out of the wild. Um, wow. So obviously that's a lot of information there, but I think it's what a lot of people were, have been wondering for a while. Mm -hmm. uh, we were told by the mainstream media months ago that this was all a conspiracy theory, right. that there was no truth to this. And I know we were talking about this before, but where is the media's proof? that this is conspiracy, yeah. because I'd love to see it. I'm sure everybody else would love to see it. Yeah. You know, and it's not about what you want to be true or what you believe is true. It's about entertaining every single opinion or every, or every single theory out there that exists. Mm -hmm. We don't actually have all the answers to this, especially months ago mm -hmm. when they started already shutting down these narratives. They Even when, when Trump called the virus the China virus, right. that was triggering for them because yeah. they couldn't possibly fathom that this could be China's fault or the government's fault. Mm -hmm. You know, if I didn't know any better, I might think that the media is more on the side of China and the government than the truth. Mm -hmm. And you wouldn't be the first to think that, right. by the way. By, by the way, Fauci, too. I mean, when Rand Paul called out Fauci the other day about the Wuhan stuff, and even Fauci said, I mean, this is Fauci saying, okay, yeah, we, let's right. look into it. I mean, so Biden maybe should ask Fauci, and Fauci would say, look into it. Right. But complete radio silence from the media. Um, I will give credit to CNN's Allison Camerata, who yeah. actually did, she's one of the few people to cover this in the mainstream media. Mm -hmm. um, it's not as well covered as I think CNN should do, but, mm -hmm. um, and other outlets, but yeah. yeah, for the most part, radio silence, not a morsel of curiosity as to how this, how coronavirus originated, and you know that should be concerning to every single American. A hundred percent. Like they, everything out of conservatives' mouths, apparently by the liberal media, they think it's like PizzaGate stuff. Right. You know, it's crazy. All right, uh, Anna, it's great to see you. Great to see you. All right, uh, tomorrow on the show, who do we have? Oh, Dr. Tom Borelli will be here. We have a, a lot more. I mean, I don't want Tom to take it the wrong way, but we got so much more as well. Hey, I'll be back too. See you tomorrow.